When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Hello and welcome to the Keeper Cup Podcast, a proud member of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can leave us ratings and reviews. We greatly appreciate it. You can also find us on Twitter at Keep or Cut. That's cut with a K. You can find me, I'm Chad Young, at Chad Young. Pretty easy. You can find my co-host, Pete Ball, at Pete B Baseball. And Pete, we are on episode 102. And I know you said you were going to just boycott the jersey number thing. But I do think we got we got to pay the captain his due at least a little bit, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, we have to we have to give Jimmy Fox his due, and uh, I mean he's well before my time, but uh, definitely a player who left a undoubtable mark on baseball. Yeah, that's a. I like the dodge. That was that was very very well done. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, uh, there actually have been a handful of good number twos. So obviously, you know, the, the reference I was making to Derek Jeter is the most sort of immediately relevant one to the world today, just cause he's the most recent and, 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 you know, arguably one of the best ever to wear the number. However, you are right. Jimmy Fox did wear the number one or the number two for one season in his career. So I don't know how much credit he gets for that Jersey, but he did wear it once, but even so that Fox is the, the best player by baseball reference war to have worn the number two, even though he only did it for one year. Jeter is not second best though. The second best is Charlie Gehringer with the tigers in the thirties and forties, 84.8 career R war Jeter only at 71.3. Uh, those are three pretty good players. And Garinger actually wore the number for 11 seasons. So he he legitimately has a, a claim to that number. And yeah. But then after that, uh, another Fox, Nellie Fox, wore the jersey for 13 years. And then there's a bunch of guys who wore it like part-time. Daryl Evans wore it for a season. Roberto Alomar wore it for a season. Greg Nettles wore it for a season. I'm trying to think if there's other players on, on this list. I guess the other player on this list that stands out to me that I would I would associate with the number two is Troy Tulowitzki, who wore it for 11 seasons, mostly with the Rockies and then with the, the Jays after he was with the Jays. And then uh, your, your boy Xander, right? He right. wore it for, for, I think, basically for his whole career at this point. He's still wearing it with the Padres this year. So there's some Justin good, there's some good active twos, right? Bogarts is the best. Justin Turner no, took it, that number. Yeah, it's kind of weird, huh? It I, is I, a little I weird. Read, I, I'm sure there was some kind of conversation there, but uh, but yeah, Bogey wore it for nine years here. And uh, yeah, and and interesting, like Turner didn't wear it with the Dodgers. I can't remember what he was with the Dodgers, but he wore it with the Mets a decade ago. 
And so he's going back to an old number, I guess. But that's, uh, you know, I, I guess it makes sense. Like, Xander is not, um, you know, he's not the, like, surefire Hall of Fame, retire his number, club legend status that would make you say, like, okay, why is somebody putting this number on so quickly? Uh, th- th- those are... That does happen sometimes where someone leaves and you're like, yeah, I know that there's someone else here. I know we're not retiring this number tomorrow, but like nobody can wear it. Xander doesn't quite rise to that level, I guess, but it still feels weird that it's like so quick. It is. It it, it doesn't remind me of the situation, but there's a similar situation going on with the Denver Nuggets who are probably going to win the title. And Nikola Jokic has the same number as Carmelo Anthony. They did not retire that number. And it's, two of the best nuggets obviously of all time. So um, yeah, they're both number 15. I, I think the obvious solution is you just retire them both. There are people yeah. who are like, you can only retire, retire Jokic and Carmelo loses out. I think that's, dumb. Come on, we, we've got that issue in Seattle with the Mariners where Randy Johnson wore number 51 mm-hmm. and so did Ichiro. Oh, see, okay. <laughs> so you're talking to, you know, legit legends among the best in the game. Um, but yeah, and I think that I think eventually that'll be the solution is probably to retire to as as it stands right now, Ichiro is like Ichiro is the guy who like he shows up for all the like historic events for the Mariners. Like he's he is a part of the club and Randy Johnson, I mean this was this was before I was in Seattle and so I don't know like how how much bad blood there was when he left and stuff like that. But he's, he's not quite as, you know, inner circle with the club anymore. And so it makes me think, you know, they'd be happy to retire Ichiro's number and leave, leave Randy out to dry. But uh, yeah, it happens. It does happen. I don't think you'll end up in that situation with the number two for the Red Sox. (laughs) I don't think, I don't think Justin Turner is going to establish himself at that level with the team. And, and like I said, Xander, I think, you know, just, just does fall short of that for me. So anyways, that's enough time on number two. We avoided talking about Derek Jeter too much. So hopefully that, <laughs> that worked for you. Today's episode, we are going to get into some listener questions. We've had a few questions come in on the Twitter machine and we're going to, we're going to hammer through some of those. And then we'll see if we've got time to get to some other stuff as well. First question we're going to talk about. This comes in from Jeff on Twitter. Jeff is the first name bunch of numbers meme come to life at Jeff 652-78909 if you want to find him. But legitimate question and a good question. Says, I've been hit by pitcher injuries. Erod, Steele, Sale, Freed. I know that feeling, Jeff. I know that feeling. Wants to know, should I ride it out or look to trade for pitching? And I pulled up his team page. And so a little context here. He is in a head-to-head Fangraphs points league. It is a league, those head-to-head leagues, as you know, have different numbers. Some have no starting pitching limit, in which case you only have two starting pitching slots. And then I think they have like eight, nine, 10, or 11 start limits, something like that. His league has 10. So like our staff league we play in is nine. So this is one more start than we're used to dealing with. So he does have 10 starts he's got to fill every week. And his pitching... As as he mentioned, has a bunch of injuries. So his pitchers on the IL right now are Sale, Freed, Steele, McCullers, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, and then AJ Puck in his bullpen, which different story. 
his healthy pitchers right now are are pretty good still. So he's got Strider. He's got Kershaw, Pablo Lopez, Andrew Haney, who's been sort of up and down this year. Hayden Wesneski, who is going to be the beneficiary of Steele going on the IL, it seems. Bailey Ober, who's been good. Joe Musgrove, who I think is starting to turn things around. Louis Varland, who's been better lately. And that's it. That's basically it. So he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine healthy starting pitchers. So, Pete, you're him. Are you? I mean, he's already updated his trade block. He didn't even wait for our answer. He's got a trade block update right now that he's looking for starting pitching. If you're him, oh, and the one other piece of context we should note here is in this head-to-head league, he is 9-0. and He has a four-game lead in his division. No one else in his division is above 5-4. and He has scored a thousand, more than 1,000 points, more than 1,100 more points than any other team in the league. The best team in the other division is 6-3. and Like, he is, as of right now, running away with this league. So with that context, you you going out to find a starting pitcher if you're him? Yeah, I don't think he needs to necessarily make a trade for a starting pitcher. I mean, you gave me his rotation. I feel like he has three or four names that you can pretty much rely on consistently. In any given week, you could have two, maybe even three, if you get really lucky if those guys have two start weeks. And so in a 10-start in a week, like you still have a lot filled that can keep you contending and keep you afloat until you get those pitchers back. We don't know what's going on with sale, um, but freed all signs are looking up. It looks like it's around the all-star break. Um, Erod, I think that finger's going to keep him out more than the 15 days, but we could see him soon. And I know McCullers was throwing again. I I, I can't recall, but like to this point, you, you have you're not counting on McCullers, right? I mean, let's, let's, let's just pause for a moment. on McCullers. <laughs> are you like, are you, are you counting on him at all? If you've got him, I think counting on is not the right word choice. I think if you would say that, like my my rotation for a period of time could be supplemented by a pitcher who, when he's on the mound, is usually pretty good, right? I mean, he's not an ace, <laughs> but he's he's usually pretty solid. Uh, he he could be inconsistent. I'll give you that, but sure. Lance McCullers, I, I it when Lance McCullers is healthy, I think he's a mostly a must roster player in anything deeper than 12 teams or in ought new for that matter, where the roster sizes are huge. So that's my long way of saying like, I, no matter what happens to Chris sale, you have Strider, Kershaw, Musgrove, you got freed coming back. You don't need to, to take away from your strengths to bolster that. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's right. And I think the other thing to note is just pulling up free agent starting pitchers in this league, some names that are out there. And, and these guys are, you know, they're not necessarily studs, but if you're looking for guys who maybe have an easy matchup to get you through a couple of weeks, something like that, Garrett Whitlock is a free agent. Jared Schuster, who's putting up over four points an inning. Uh, Braxton Garrett, whose overall line is only 3.97 points per inning pitch, but has been just nails lately. I mean, he had a absolute horrendous, just truly horrendous start uh, against Atlanta where he gave up four home runs in four and a third innings, ended up with negative 53 points. You probably shouldn't have started him if you had him against Atlanta. That was probably just a bad decision. Um, although I, some, I assume some people got thrown off because he pitched decently against Atlanta the week before that. But if you avoided that start, he's been excellent for you. Like really, really good. So I, you, know, you can go get Garrett. Um, who else is out there right now? Michael Grove is back in the rotation, right? I think. 
So he's he is at least a theoretical option. Aaron Savali back from injury and pitching quite well. He's almost at six points per inning this year. It's only 17 and two thirds innings, but like, again, need a guy who can eat some innings for you. And Savali is, is even maybe more valuable in these head to head formats because he goes relatively deep into games. And so that, that has added value where you're not on an innings limit. Uh, other names, Julio Tehran is out there. I don't know. (laughs) He's made two you really good to... starts. I don't know what you do oh, with him. Man. <laughs> um, well, uh, two names that stick out to me. Rich Hill's been pitching well lately. I think he has, He doesn't really have a favorable matchup this week, I believe. I think he's got a tough opponent on the schedule this week. But uh, he's been pitching well. And and we've seen Rich Hill each of the last two, three seasons go on stretches, especially two years ago when he was with the Rays. Go on stretches where he looks like awesome. And you got to get him out there. Um, I think he had a 13 strikeout game with the Rays two years ago, which is meaningless, right? But it's it's to show that like Rich Hill doesn't need to be pumping gas to be effective, which we all know because he maxes out at 88 miles per hour and grunts while he's doing it. So don't let the age throw you off. If he's out there and he's pitching, he's been pretty well lately. And the other one that uh, sticks out to me, maybe it's the the homer in me, I don't know, but uh, Cutter Crawford was stretched out as a starter at the beginning of the year. Then he went to the bullpen, and now he's trying to get stretched out as a starter again. He's probably going to start Wednesday against Cleveland, so close your ears, Chad, but I think that's a pretty favorable (laughs) matchup. So uh, I I don't know if you're going to get much length out of him, but if you're just trying to bridge the gap to getting those guys back, I don't know how long Crawford's going to be in the rotation for, but um, you might be able to get some decent strikeout numbers there at at a minimum. Yeah, and and I think the the general point here is um, given the situation he's in, like you, you don't have to do anything crazy. There's nothing wrong with making a trade for a starting pitcher. If a good trade comes along, but like, I don't see a need to do anything. I don't know. The worst case scenario here is the next week or two, you struggle a little bit and you maybe lose one of those two matchups. Like given how much better he's been than everyone else in this league, he's probably not going to lose both of those matchups. But if he loses one of them and falls to, you know, Two weeks from now, he's ten and one instead of eleven and zero. It won't matter. <laughs> he's he's still in a really good spot. So I, I also think because it's a head to head, you're you're focused primarily on like get into the playoffs and see what can happen. And you're in a good spot to do that. So if I am making a trade for a pitcher right now, it's making a trade with a what's my rotation look like at the end of August into September? Not what does my rotation look like today mindset? Cause that team is going to make the playoffs. So I think if this team were in a different spot, right. If, and pitching's been, pitching has been really hard to come by this year. So there are a lot of teams and a lot of leagues that are in a similar position of needing pitching. If you're middle of the pack in a playoff league and you're short on pitching and had a couple of injuries pop up, like, I'm then maybe going to try to make an aggressive move and get something done because it's just been it's been hard to to have pitching in place. I don't think you'll find yourself in a few weeks being like, oh, all these guys are back and now I have too much pitching. Like that won't be an issue. Um, if it really is, you'll be able to make another trade and trade away a pitcher, no problem. And you do have to keep yourself in that playoff picture, right? What you don't want to do is if you're a team that's like five and four in one of these divisions or four and five in one of these divisions and sort of on the edge, like the other division in this league, the first place team is six and three. The second place team is five and four. The next four teams are all four and five. If you're one of those five and four, four and five teams, even the six and three team, and you're finding yourself in a similar position, like 
you may need to go make a move because a couple of bad weeks could be devastating to your playoff chances. I guess my last piece of advice for this team would be if you're looking, if you really want to make a move for a starting pitcher, I think Justin Steele would be the piece that I would actually try to move. I think there were were signs that he was obviously performing above his head because nobody's that good, but he was going to come back down to earth. He kind of did. Then he got hurt, but he's still just $7. He's a young starting pitcher. Um, If I was a rebuilding team, that that's maybe the kind of dart throw I'm looking for. And if I have an overpriced pitcher, you know, I'm looking at that team that's zero and nine. And if you could pull, you know, he got blown up his last start, but Shane Bieber for, for Justin Steele and blank. Um, I think that's, that's maybe the type of deal I would try to make. I, I would move one of my injured pitchers. I wouldn't try to do something too crazy with my offense because all of a sudden you trade one of those offensive pieces and then you get an injury there. Now you're looking for hitting because you traded it away. So um, I'd just be careful trading away from strengths in deep leagues because it's never as bolstered as we think. Yeah. Boy, that lat, that 0-9 team, not only do they have Bieber, who's currently under four points per inning, their, their other two most expensive starting pitchers are Sandy Alcantara, who has by no means been bad, but certainly hasn't been what anybody hoped he would be. Oh, God, and, no. And Alec Manoa, who's been bad, as we discussed on last week's episode or two weeks ago. Whenever we discussed Manoa, um, it was last week, I think. Like, he's just got a bunch of guys that have just disappointed that he's put a lot of money in. That's that is a team that is, uh, his most expensive hitter is Trey Turner. I was so just like, gonna say, yeah, goodness, uh, I would be, I'd be talking to that team because that team needs a rebuild badly. So let's jump to our next question. This one comes from Brian Arbor. He's on Twitter at BK Arbor, A-R-B-O-U-R. Brian asks, what tools and processes do y'all use? He he said y'all, just so we're clear. Do y'all use to identify prospects worth bidding on? Signed, this guy who's coming to the reality that I'm playing for next year. (laughs) That's a, yeah, I feel you, Brian. I've got got some leagues (laughs) where I'm coming to that realization as well. Um, we, we talked last week, Pete, about your trade in the listener auto new league. And then I followed up by making a trade and I'm still discussing some other ones, but I, I traded, let's see if I can pull up my trade there. Cause I'm in the same boat, right? I made a decision. It's time to look to the future. I traded Anthony Rizzo at $12, Brandon Nimmo at $16 and a $3 Bryson Stott. For $6, Andres Jimenez, $3, Logan Ohapi, $9, Spencer Steer, and $2, Colton Kowser. Um, and, and I think the thing that, you know, the first thing I would say to anyone who's rebuilding, we will talk prospects in a moment because that's that's what the question was. But the first thing I would say to, to Brian or anyone else looking to rebuild is if you look at the trades that Pete and I made, we picked up between us in that league six players. Wander Franco. Alec Manoa, Andre Jimenez, Logan Ohapi, Spencer Steer, and Colton Kowser. One of those guys is not in the majors right now. I guess two because Ohapi's hurt, but I, I, that doesn't count. He's he's in the majors. The only guy on that list who's not in the majors is Colton Kowser, who is making a mockery of AAA right now and really should be called up a month ago. Is actually that's when he should have been called up was a month ago. But as soon as there's an opportunity, he's he's going to be up in in Baltimore cuz they they could use him and he is just he's putting up a great great season. So that's my first piece of advice is like don't get overly reliant on how you evaluate prospects. Find guys that are already delivering or that you feel like 
are going to deliver that are already ready. Yeah, I think team context is is important for me. Um, it, it, and this is this is building on Chad's point. So if you have prospects who are already almost ready, well, now things like team context come into play. Um, prospects have just been so hard to hit on. Uh, they, they always have been, but especially. I, again, I, I keep going back to this. We haven't talked about it in a long time, but um, the, ever since the COVID season, that lost minor league season, and um, I guess one stat that I will look at is, is plate discipline, right? Walk rate, strikeout rate, and just anticipating that when they get to the major leagues, it's going to get worse, right? Um, Gunnar Henderson, right? He, he looked like he was making improvements in his strikeout rate. He's posting like a over 30% strikeout rate this year. Anthony Volpe's strikeout rate is terrible. Matt McClain was a guy who looked like he was figuring out his strikeout issues. He had a sub 20% strikeout rate in the minor leagues this year. He's striking out 26% of the time. So um, if there's swing and miss in a player's game, then major league pitching is going to find it and it's going to expose them um, until they get used to it. And, and so there's going to be that rough adjustment period that we see these guys go through. So it's for me, like to, to make a heavy investment in a prospect, like after in a big trade or at auction or whatever it might be, it's going to have to be somebody who's close to the major leagues going to have to be somebody who I'm confident they're not going to be crushed by their strikeouts. And even then I I'm, I'm not going all in on that player. If I can get a steady veteran, I'm, I'm going to choose that, especially not new where, you know, the value in a player that's a top prospect or something like that can climb pretty quickly. You're going to miss those, those maximized years. And, and I think when, when I am looking at prospects, you know, there are those sort of elite Ellie Dela Cruz types and you know, go get them if you can. But one of the things I, I do a lot of thinking about when I'm buying prospects is who are the guys whose value is going to go up rather than the guys whose value is currently high. And as an example of that, um, boy, I'm trying to remember who it was. I saw it in like two different analysts who I trust talking up drew gilbert of the astros last week two weeks ago i don't know something like that and his his roster percentage in i don't know is low single digits maybe maybe low single digits it's gone up a little bit but like he becomes a guy i'm very interested in, right because you can get him basically for free he's not like you could pick him up off the wire right pick him up and and just cut some like random eighth outfielder you no longer need because you're not competing. Um, there are there are guys like that that you can go find. And so it, it seems a little, you know, you're asking what tools we use. The answer I'm giving you here at some level is like, I go read Other our analysts work who are, <laughs> who are good at this. But um, that's what I do. Chris Clegg, Eric Cross, Matt Heckman. Uh, i trying to think of who else. Um, Chris Welsh. So like, there's a bunch of guys like that, that it's just like, I, I trust their analysis. And I want to see when, you know, especially when I see consensus among them, I see two or three of those guys all talking up the same guy. It's like, Oh, this is interesting. This guy's going to move up lists and this is the time to buy in on him. But then as, as Pete said, if you're looking at a trade where you can't just grab a guy for free like that, that is where plate discipline is just, huge for me and contact quality, right? So I, I want to find for prospect reports on 
max EV, 90th percentile EV if you can get it, hard hit rate or barrel rate if you can get it. Um, finding that kind of data on a player and seeing a guy like for, regardless of the results, if they're hitting the ball hard and they've got good plate discipline for a hitter, that's what I'm looking at. For pitchers, I'm looking for low walk rates and high strikeout rates, right? I mean, it's it's sort of the opposite of hitters, but like that's really what I want to see. I also, especially for pitchers, want to find guys who are going to be up soon. Hitters, I've got a little bit more patience for a guy who's in like double A or about to be in double A, maybe if I'm in a rebuild, because they still have a good chance to be up next year. Pitchers, I just feel like, I don't know, you take a pitcher who's like a year away and then they have a shoulder issue and then they get traded to a different org that doesn't need them as soon. Or then like, there's just so many things that happen to pitchers. Still waiting for Forrest Whitley. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like at this time last year, I would have told people to be all over Daniel Espino and we're still going to be waiting on him for a while still. So I, you know, I'm more interested in someone like to, to stick within the guardians org to stick with someone like uh, Gavin Williams, who is performing in AAA and could be up tomorrow if they needed him. I don't think it's likely to happen that soon, but it's, it can't be that far away if the opportunity arises. Um, so that's, that's sort of where I am. But again, to go back to what Pete said, like and what we were saying earlier, like find those guys who are, already in the majors, already producing, you're not going to be able to pry away like a, a stud young. Although I guess you got Alec or you got a Wander Franco in your deal. So maybe you can sometimes like you're gonna have to overpay for a guy like that, I guess is what I should say. But you know, you're gonna have a hard time getting like Josh Lowe, for example, he'll be a hard guy to pry away from the team that has him because they're relying on him and he's young and he's cheap and they can dream on him as much as you can. And they're helping right now. But I would rather find a way to overpay for a guy like that than grab two or three guys who are middling prospects in double A who are, you know, hitting the ball hard but striking out a ton. Like that's so. Yeah. Anything else to add to that? Any other thoughts on prospects? I guess my only thing would be now that we are fully in midseason and and there are plenty of teams out there that have an idea if they're going to compete or not. I guess that is when I am more likely to to stash those more middling prospects just because, you know, uh, that middling prospect is going to do more for me on my bench than Mark Canna is at this point in the season, right? So that goes back to your point earlier, that like ninth outfielder that you can just cut. Why not throw a dart? But keep in mind, you're on a timeline here. So if you're throwing a dart at like Miguel Blyce, who is like 18 years old, well, you're not going to know when that dart lands, man. So at least choose players in, in that double A, triple A range so that by the time you're ready to compete again, you have an idea of the investment that you've made in this player, if it's going to hit or not. Yeah, I, I'm not bothering with guys who are that far away. I mean, like I will say, like my, my leagues recently, I've seen a couple of auctions start for Ethan Salas, the, the 16, maybe now 17-year-old Padres catcher. And like, I, I get the hype on Salas. Everything suggests he's going to be a star. He looks like a guy who's going to move quickly for his age and position. That could still be three years. Right. Right. If he's up three years from now. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. If he's up in three years, it would be insanely fast. And so I'm just, there's no price at which I'm interested in Salas right now. Because the, the 90th percentile outcome for him 
isn't actually good for you as a fantasy manager today. So the other the other quick tool I will throw out there, and it's sort of a it's a it's a simple one, but if you go to the the players tab, the search page, and not a new, and you switch the level to MILB, and you limit the search to either just pitchers or just hitters, you can basically pull up a list and then sort by roster percent of prospects. So you set it to MILB, and like I'm looking at, I'm actually looking at our listener league right now. And I've also filtered this in this case by free agents only, because this is, you know, in this league, I could use some prospects, right? You too. So Pete, you can, you can feel free to steal my names here, but like the top, ah. the the most rostered free agent minor leaguers in this league are Zach Veen, who I'm not that excited about Oscar Colas, who does sort of fit what I'm looking for. He's performing really well in AAA and could be up again anytime. Now Mason Wynn, who's having a bit of a, a down year offensively, I would say. Jackson Merrill, he's a guy who seems like he might be too far away. Brooks Lee, who's kind of interesting. Daniel Espino, we talked about. Connor Norby, who could be up soon. So you can find names that way. And if you if you uncheck the free agents only box and you look at guys who are both rostered and free agents, you can also then sort by who's being added or dropped recently. And that gives you a sense of like when I was saying, you know, who's somebody whose value might be going up guys being added a lot in the last week, his value is going up right now. Right. So like if I look at a seven day ad percentage for all minor leaguers, the most added minor leaguer over the last seven days is junior Caminero in Tampa Bay. He's now up to double a, he gets interesting now that he's up at double a. Uh, Ethan Salas is actually second on that list who I mentioned I'd stay away from, but like Ronnie Mauricio is a good example of a guy who I might target right now. I don't think his trade value is like through the roof, untouchable elite prospect level, but he's killing triple a, he could be up soon. It's like, he's the kind of guy that I'm sort of interested in. So that's just to throw some names out there of, of players who I'd look at as well as to suggest how you can sort of find some players and get a sense of like, whose value is up, whose value is down, who might be interesting targets. So uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get to more questions. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right. Welcome back. Our next listener question comes from Nicholas Masuto on Twitter. Uh, He is at Solemn Visitor, but the O's are zeros. 
So at Solid Visitor says, should I move a $52 Acuna in Fangraph's points? He's in league number 481. He's already started selling and will be rebuilding this year. And he says, and probably next. Seems like this could be Acuna's high point in trade value or is a $56 to $60 Acuna something I want to build my competitive team around? That's a, that's a weird one because he's already suggesting he's going to be rebuilding next year. And that's a, that's not a spot I find myself in very often. I don't want to be rebuilding for a year and a half like that. So I don't know. Uh, I guess I would say this, if you're rebuilding and you're not thinking you're competing next year, I I would trade Acuna now because sitting on that, $54 salary next year and 56 the year after, if you're not going to compete next year, like his value is not going to go up. It may not go down, but like you're not going to get meaningfully more from him a year from now than you do today. You're going to get less for him in the off season than you do today. So like if you're really thinking next season is also a rebuild season for you, then I think it's an easy choice and you trade him. Yeah. There's no question. I'm trading him. If you had him at like 40 bucks, Maybe, but then he's going to get really hit hard in arbitration. I just think the the potential return for a Ronald Acuna, who like could still be a keeper for another team, right? Like he's not, he hasn't priced himself into like definite cut range. He's right now the top player in fantasy. So I, I think you could probably get an absolute haul for him. And that's better than just holding on because you're not only getting that haul, you're presumably getting a lot more money to spend in the next auction where you can just throw that at another elite talent to replace Acuna. So um, I'm in favor of definitely moving on from him here. If this is a stingy league and people are giving you pennies on the dollar, then I I have no problem holding on to him. And yeah, I'd love to build around a $52 Acuna because I agree with Chad. I think the timeline of two years is a little strong. If you look at this team, Chad, he's got Ellie de la Cruz, who who could be up and impacting this team. He's got him for just $2, which... even though he hasn't reached the majors yet, I'd guess it's pretty cheap. He has a $13 Michael Harris, who should only get better. $30 Boba Shett, who's playing like a keeper. Like this team could be in the thick of it in no time next year. Um, so I'm not I'm not ready to to throw next year uh out the window as well. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, he's he's only got $289 in salary right now, which means he could keep this entire team together if he wanted right. to. And if you look at like if I imagine oh, this lineup, tage. if I imagine this lineup next year, next year he could be rolling out Christian Walker at first base. Andres Jimenez, I know, has not been good this year, but has really turned it on of late and has been very good. He could still be your second baseman next year. Maybe Nick York is ready at second base next year. Casey Schmidt, you know, we'll have to see sort of how things go for him. At shortstop, you could keep a $30 Bichette. You're going to have Ellie Dela Cruz by this, you know, by next year for sure. At third base, he's got Beatty, he's got Colt Keith and Kobe Mayo who could be coming. And that's even assuming he cuts a $46 Machado, which I, I think I probably would. Yeah. Um, but he would need help in the outfield. And so that's where I look at this and it's like, yeah, you'd have a you know, $4 Gallo isn't bad, but like building that offense and holding on to he's got Sean Murphy, by the way, at $7 a catcher. I forgot to mention catcher. But like building around Acuna. Harris, you know, Michael Harris puts up a good second half for you. Edward Olivares maybe can establish himself. Maybe Jackson Churio could be ready to help. But like 
building around Acuna in your outfield with the way that rest of that offense has come together. And then you're looking at a rotation of Tristan McKenzie, Walker Bueller, Jordan Montgomery has been down. So maybe that's not a great example, but Grayson Rodriguez, Aaron Savali has been good. Brandon Fott still could find it. Taj Bradley. We've, we've discussed at length on the show. Uh, like there's a lot of pieces there. And if you keep all of those guys and still let go of Machado at $46, you're talking about having over a hundred bucks to spend to fill out this roster next year. I'm not, I'm not ready to sit here and say next year's lost. And so I I think Mm -hmm. if I were, if, so I, I, yeah, going back to what I said before, if you have decided that next year is a rebuild year, then I would trade Acuna now. If you said, Chad, why don't you take over this team and manage it for me? I would not trade Acuna. I would sit on him. I'd, I'd maybe put him on the trade block and be like, hey, I'm planning on Acuna being my MVP when I win this league next year. But if you want him now, make it worth my while. But again, then if I'm doing that, like, give me, I'm going to poke around. Let's see like who the, the first place team is in this league and what they're doing. First place team in this league in their outfield has Luke Rayleigh. Mancini's been terrible. Jazz, who's going to be outfield only next year. He also has Trout, Judge, Seiya Suzuki, and J-Rod. My goodness. That is a stacked outfield. Uh, (laughs) That might not be a good example. They may not be interested in Acuna. (laughs) But like, let's pretend they are interested in Acuna. I am more interested in dangling Acuna to that team to get like, get their $12 jazz chisel and get Luke Rayleigh. If you believe it, like I I've been pretty impressed with Rayleigh. I think he's, he's a good player. Lords Guriel jr. At $7. I, maybe I you can that. buy low on Julio Rodriguez while Rodriguez is struggling right now. Like it may take more, like maybe you have to add to Acuna to get a $13 J rod, but like that's sort of intriguing. This team also has like, if this team, it feel like, feels like they have pitching to move. You can look at, we just talked about, Justin Steele, like go get a guy like Justin Steele, not as the only piece, but like go get someone like that. Don't go out and get a bunch of random prospects. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Look, maybe the second place team, the second place team has a Rosa Reina, Schwarber, Yoshida, Nimmo, and then Benintendi, Loriano, Grichuk, Yastrzemski. That team might be in a better spot to buy an outfielder. Um, but like, yeah, I, I'm looking to get like if I'm trading Acuna from that team, it's for it's because it makes me better next year, not because of what's happening two years down the line. Agreed. All right. Our next question comes from Michael Kirschenbaum. He's M. Kirschenbaum on Twitter. He says, what to do with a $31 Sandy Alcantara in out of new Fangraphs points? Pitching staff otherwise is pretty strong. He's league 652. The team name is Scarlet Begonias. So considering a trade, but he doesn't want to sell low. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on, on Sandy? Yeah, I mean, I love Sandy. Uh, but when you look at you look at the ERA estimators, that's, that's a good place to start when you're talking about a, a guy supposed to be an ace, but he has an ERA over five. They're suggesting he should have he should be better but 
not the, like not the level that you drafted him for, right? His FIP is only 3.65, but his expected ERA and his XFIP are both over four. Uh, so that ERA of five is a little bit concerning. He's his strand rate would suggest there's been some bad luck. <clears throat> Excuse me. The strikeout rate is low. We kind of expect that. He's not giving up home runs, though, which helps him in this format. I don't know. I, I, I'm holding on. I don't think $31 is killing you. I guess I would like to know what the trades are that he's considering, but I have a really hard time. The calendar just turned to June, selling so low on a young ace. Just want to saw young award. Like, I'm concerned because of the RA estimators, but there's there's no way I'm ready to sell that low, especially on a guy who keeps the ball on the ground. The home runs are what kills you and not new uh, fan grass points. Don't I know it? <laughs> um, right. So the fact that he's still limiting that and it looks like he's had some bad luck with the um, with the strand rate. It's I, I'm trying to find the BABIP right now. I just had it in front of me. Um, yeah, the BABIP at 284 is above his career average of 270. So it's not like a crazy BABIP, but I'm I'm holding out hope that he can he can turn this thing around here. Yeah, so I'm you know I did look at him in our podcaster league, and Tim Kanek has him. Tim has a thirty one dollar Sandy Alcantara, same price. This is a five by five league. It's a little bit different. I offered him a three dollar AJ Smith Shaver and a nine dollar Hunter Renfro. Renfro being one of the guys he had specifically asked me about. Um, he, he turned it down, which I, I can understand, but right now I'm not willing to give up more for him. I don't think because like, like you said, it's not like he's just having some bad luck. Like he's not really pitching super well. And I think if you want to be sort of optimistic here, you know, you look at that 3.65 FIP versus the 4.21 XFIP and he, you know, he kept his home run per fly ball rate low last year, right? And so that XFIP is is correcting, quote unquote, correcting that back closer to league average. But like, you know, he was below league average last year. However, he was above league average the year before that. I, you, you could, you know, you can be optimistic and say, look, he's now shown us over 300 innings over the last two years that, an 8% home run per fly ball rate is legit and we shouldn't be regressing him back to 10, 11%, whatever it is XFIP, XFIP assumes. But over his career, he's 10.6%. So like, I, I'm like, even when I try to get optimistic, I guess what I'm getting at is like, I still come back being like, eh, I'm a little optimistic, I guess. Um, the walks, like the last two years when he's been, when, you know, he had a good 2021 and a great 2022. He walked six and then 5.6% of hitters in those two seasons. This year, he's up to 7.8%. That's not terrible, but it's a big jump from where he was. And for a guy who's you know never been a big strikeout guy, you can't walk people, right? Like, there, there are, you know, it's not that there's only one way to succeed as a starting pitcher in the majors, but like, if you're not going to strike people out, you can't put them on base. And right now he's just, he's not elite at avoiding the walks and he isn't that good at getting strikeouts. And so it's just not going to work out very well for him. Like that's just not a, a good place to be. And I think even with his like left on base percentage, you know, 58% is low. That'll get better. 
But if you're not striking guys out, you're not going to leave as many guys on base because it's easier to move guys around on base on balls in play, right? Not just because of hits and BAPIP and blah, 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 but like, you know, it's harder to strand a guy on third with one out if you don't strike anybody out. So I, I don't expect him to have a high left on base percentage. I don't expect it to stay as low as it is, but like, it wouldn't surprise me if it stays a little on the low side. So I don't know. I, it's just hard to look at what he's doing and find anything that makes you say like, oh yeah, he's fine. Except that he's, you know, 27 and has been great for the last two years. But what he's well, doing this year just isn't that good. And and part of that greatness over the last two years is throwing about, what, 440 innings or so. It, it, the thought begins to creep in that, like, is this a pitcher who's just tired? He threw 228 innings last year. And so to start this season as super flat as he has does have me a little bit concerned. And something that, that that's kind of odd to me is he's throwing the sinker more than he was last year, but his ground ball rate has dipped almost eight full percentage points. That's a lot. Um, so this maybe needs a, a deeper dive than uh, we obviously have time to do right now in the middle of the show. But yeah. like, that's that's weird. Um, that That's something that sticks out to me. And as you guys know, I love pitchers with high ground ball rates. And if Sandy's becoming a more average ground ball rate guy, that is detrimental to his value. Because like you said, Chad, he really doesn't strike guys out, even though to make things weirder, the swinging strike rate is up a full percentage point from last year's Cy Young campaign. So uh, there's not a lot of answers here, just a lot of mystery, but I'm, I'm holding on. I think whether or not I'm holding on depends on where I am in the standings. And like this team that, that asked this question is in second place right now. And in second place, I'm not like, you're not going to get, you're not going to be able to make a trade for him for anything that's going to be more productive to winning this year than, than just waiting and seeing if he turns things around, especially because in a points league, like he's been fine. He's putting up 4.77 points per inning pitched, right? You're, you're, you're just not going to improve your team meaningfully by trading him. Right. If I were at the bottom of the standings, I think I'd be kind of aggressive about moving him because as you said, like you worry that the innings are catching up to him. There aren't a lot of positive signs in his performance. You get the swing strike rate is up, but like so much other stuff has moved the wrong direction that I do think if I were near the bottom of my league, I'd be more inclined to be like, you know what? I want to get out now because I think like right now you can sell him to somebody who thinks, yeah, he's down, but like he'll bounce back. Right. And, and they'll pay, you know, they're not going to give you a dollar for him. They're going to give you, you know, 75 cents on the dollar. But like in a couple months, that might be 50 cents on a dollar or 10 cents on the dollar. And he's not playing himself into being a keeper at $30. So I'm, I'd be more like, I think I'd be trying to move him if I were near the bottom of the standings. But if you're, if you're contending, I I think he's still like, you're better off keeping him as a, a $30 pitcher who's only worth $12 or $13 or $15 or whatever then you are trading him for the value you can get. Yeah, I, I was taking this from the perspective of, of him being in second place. If you're in last and you have a, really any pitcher that's over $30, other than maybe like McClanahan and Strider, like I'm I'm probably just at the very least seeing what I can get. And as a buyer, if I can get 
if I have the pieces to move and I can get you to cover the loan and Alcantara is available for 75 cents on the dollar, I think I would actually consider buying low on Alcantara as a buyer. So he might actually be a piece that's easier to move than, uh, than we might think. Yeah. I mean, I will say like Tim has had him on the block for a little while in that league and has, from what I can tell, had not had any bites that have made him, I mean, he hasn't moved him. So I, I want to, it's just the categories I need. Like I already have a bunch of Sandy Alcantara's and by a bunch, I mean, I already have Aaron Nola. So like <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling with those exact categories. And I don't want to make it worse, but um, if I was good in ERA and whip, I considering consider trading for Alcantara just to run away with some categories towards the end. Yeah. So we also got a question from at burned wick, your brother, oh, about here a league we go. you're in. And we'll get to that le- that question in one minute, just after a quick break. All right. Welcome back. As teased before the break, we got a question from John Ball. And we are, we're answering a question that I, I, I feel like we've discussed this league before, but maybe not this player in this league. He said, I know Pete Ball is in this league, but each and every year I face the same question. Is there any trade that can make my team better by trading Shohei Otani? First round value, keep forever. If he keeps two other first rounders, then he's only paying basically a third for Otani or for one of them, right? He's keeping three first round players having given up a first, second, and third round pick. He's saying it's a 16 team. What is 16 team 3K daily moves league? Three keeper. Three keeper. K Mm -hmm. keeper. I was like 3,000 daily moves. I don't know. Like, is that (laughs) a limit? Uh, it takes us forever. <laughs> yeah. Is that like you have to make 3,000 moves a day? You can, you're you capped at 3,000? Who knows? Okay. 16 team, three keeper, daily lineups move, daily lineup moves, head to head category, five by five plus walks and stolen bases for hitters plus strikeouts per nine and quality starts. Otani counts as only one roster spot. I don't know if it's possible to actually get fair value for that. Like you'd need an ace, a top 15 bat and something to make up for the fact that you lost a roster spot. He's asking, he's just never been able to figure out a path to a deal where he's not feels like he's not gutting his team. So from a roster construction standpoint, I mean, even in the question, he's sort of assuming this, like, Oh, if I keep three first rounders and one of them is only costing me a third round pick. And like, how do you give up a third round pick Otani? I, I think the answer to the question of like, is there a deal that makes your team better? Not well, I guess it depends. If you are competing for this year, there is probably a deal that makes you better this year if somebody is willing to gut their team to keep Otani, right? Some some team that's bottom half of the league that says, I will give you a stud outfielder, an ace starting pitcher, and like a great shortstop in order to just have him for next year. That deal probably works for you, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you're going to get that. You know that league better than I do. Yeah, no, there's no one in this league that's gonna that's gonna give that up. Um, I mean, it, it it's a daily league with where you can put Otani at both, right? I mean, that's that's ultimately what it comes down to. He is the best player in the format. Um, it counts strikeouts per nine, which is a massive strength for Otani as well. So that's kind of an added bonus. And when you consider the state of starting pitching this year, even though Otani's been a little cold lately, um, I 
I don't really see why I would move him unless it was like what you said, a package that is just not going to come across the table. Um, so I, I think if you have Otani, you enjoy rostering him. And just because you have Otani doesn't mean you have to keep two other first round pick players to like warrant keeping him because he is the 1.1. Like he just end of story. Right. So like pretty much no matter what you're going to be getting a lot of value. And you could argue that at 1.1, he's like a steal. Like that, that's how valuable he is. I know that logically doesn't make a lot of sense, but I think you get what I'm saying here. Like he's so much better than the next possible player. And he's two players that, you can keep him for first round value and then still like try to maximize the value of your other keepers as opposed to just pushing him to third. I, I think that's just trying to do too much and he's plenty valuable keeping with just a first round pick. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that the the challenge you just you just run into here is like I said, if you're if you're rebuilding, especially in a keep three, if this were a keep eight, there might be a rebuilding trade you could make to get you know, four guys with last round pick values and just like you're reshaping your team. But in the keep three, you want those elite players. They're hard to come by. They're worth keeping. And I don't see a, yeah, like I said, I, I don't see a future focused deal that works. And so then you're looking at, you know, is it possible you could buy for this year? And like I said before, like, yeah, it's possible, but you need someone to basically gut their team. And now in a keep three, it is possible. There's like a you know 16 teamer. There could be a 10th, 11th place team that that has four keepers and will give you two of those keepers and another player to get Otani. It's at least theoretically possible. Um, but I think if you're going to shop him, I would just be, I would be very clear with the rest of the league, what you're trying to do and just say like, here's what I'm going to need. Like I'm, I'm trying to win this year. The only way you're going to do The only way this is going to help is you need to give me an ACE to replace Otani an elite bat to replace Otani and another either ACE or elite bat to make it worth my while to give him up. And if you get that great, but I don't think you're going to. Yeah, it, it, in this particular league, again, that that's just not maybe maybe closer to the deadline. We've had some rule changes where it's harder to get draft picks now, so uh, you, you might just settle for Otani as opposed to trading, you know, half your team for a bunch of draft picks. You trade it all for Otani, but in the meantime, it's just it, it's not it, it's almost like a fantasy football league where I think fantasy leagues in general sometimes have this problem. If the roster sizes are small and the league size is big, you know, like in fantasy football, like. Everybody knows that that one guy who drafted Rob Gronkowski at tight end and then hit a home run with his backup tight end is now trying to trade that backup tight end to everybody for everything that they have. But nobody wants to do it because when you make a trade to get something, you create a hole somewhere else. And if the free agents Mm -hmm. available are not good enough because the league's too big to replace that player that you have lost, then you don't want to make a trade. Um, so it, it's gotta be, like you said, to an absolute seller because there's no, and it's too early in the season. There's nobody that should be trading all of that to get Shohei Otani unless they are just definitely out of it this season. Like that team we saw with, with Bieber and Trey Turner and every yeah. boss for the season and Alec Manoa, unless it's that one, um, you're, you're giving up way too much. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I got a I got a question on the Auto News Slack today, not for the show, just someone reaching out to me about an Otani trade, where they'd be getting Otani and giving up a a full price Devers as well as one, two, three, four young, talented players. A $3 Zach Neto, a $1 Zach Eflin, a $1 Brian Della Cruz, and a $1 Jordan Westberg. It's oh, like, that up. so uh, leaving Hard. aside whether you would or not, like that's the kind of thing that has to happen for someone to even open the offer, right? It's like, I'm giving you the bat that immediately replaces Otani, and I'm giving you like a significant chunk of your roster for next year already and that's uh it's just it's hard to make that deal in a keep three league because in a keep three league like that deal's not in that's that's not an interesting deal in keep three it's interesting and not a new it's not interesting in keep three and that's where one of those situations where like league context just matters so much because the difference in in like those elite players are so much more valuable in a keep three than they are in a keep eight, a keep 10 or not a new style or a dynasty league, because you, you're not going to keep all those other guys. Anyways, building a deep rock. Like you can't keep a deep roster in a keep three. You can keep a deep roster in auto new. And so building a deep roster and then having cap space to, to augment it. Like it's one of the ways that auto new is, I think sort of like real baseball more than a lot of other fantasies leagues are where we've seen a lot of teams, you know, outside of maybe, you know, the Dodgers, all the Dodgers kind of do this, but the Dodgers, the Yankees, like the teams that have a ton of money, the way the teams build winners in major league baseball is you get the right prospects, you bring them up together, they get into the majors together. And then you go, Oh, the guy we thought was going to be our second baseman didn't really work out. We're going to go buy the best second baseman on the market and like put this team over the top. Mm -hmm. Um, At least that's what you hope to see teams do. Right. And we, we have seen like, you know, it's not every team, but like that—that's to some extent what we've seen the the Blue Jays do, right? They had uh, Bichette and Vlad and all these other guys come up, and then they've gone out and they've added in free agency and they've added via trade to to make their team better and get to where they needed to be. The Astros, before you know, they sort of stepped up. They sold. They brought up all these young players that Springer come up and Altuve come up and Bregman come up and Correa come up and they didn't have the pitching. So what did they do? They went out and they got Garrett Cole. They went out, and they got Justin Verlander. Like in auto new that works in auto new. That's, that's the approach I like to take, right? Like build a roster where you're like, wow, I've only spent 240 bucks and my team is good and could use a couple of studs to put it over the top and then go get those studs in a keep three. That's a useless strategy. <laughs> Because you're only keeping three of those guys. So right. that that makes a big difference. I think, to me, Otani in that kind of a format is almost untradeable. Agreed. So that was, uh, that was the last question we had coming in. Pete, I don't know what's going on in the Listener League. We, we were talking, so we had some questions about buying and selling. That Listener League, you already made the one trade to get Franco. You've you you are back to tenth place. You were up to eighth, I know, at one point. Are you still looking to make more deals there? Do you have have you been trying to find additional opportunities to sell? Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess I can make this kind of my market market plea here. Um, <laughs> I everybody's available. I my obviously my younger 
cheaper studs like Christian Javier, especially and and Wonder Franco are going to be harder to get. But uh, I'm absolutely looking looking to sell out of pride. I don't want to finish in last, but I I just want to look to compete next year. And I feel like the pitching situation really blew up. Like, yeah, great. I'm I'm glad Max Scherzer's finally pitching well. Uh, when I'm I'm like mountains behind in every pitching category. That like even if I went all out and maximized as much as I could out of this rotation, I, I'd still finish probably middle of the pack. So uh, having a 38 year old, or is he 38 years old? I don't know, but having a $38 Max Scherzer, um, he's someone I'm looking to move. Jose Ramirez definitely looking to move. Um, Christian Yelich uh, with his 351, 352 OBP looking to move as well. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm totally in the sell market at this point. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in a similar boat. You you do not you do not have to worry about finishing in last place because I I think I'm <laughs> running away with that right got now. Got that unlock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a little jealous of you actually though because like you've got you know Ramirez Olson. We'll see what the market's like for Eloy Jimenez. Um, Yelich for some team that needs on base percentage. You've got Scherzer. Like you've got some pieces you can you can trade. Whereas I look at my most expensive players and like, you know, Machado's been struggling. He's just back from injury. I need to figure out if I can, you know, I need to let him build up his value again, I think. Aaron Nola hasn't been very good. He's my most expensive pitcher. My next most expensive pitcher is Logan Webb, who at $24, I, I've got him my trade block, but like I'm not anxious to trade him i i can keep a 26 dollar web as my ace next year i think or one of my aces and so i've got like the guys i want to trade are like like i'd like to trade wilson Contreras because i've got a three dollar logan ohapi now that i think can be my my catcher of the future and so i don't necessarily need to keep my 14 dollar wilson Contreras, but like I haven't really seen any interest in him. I have a $21 Willie Adamas. And as much as I love Willie Adamas, I'm happy to move on from the $21 version. He's on rehab now. So hopefully he'll be back soon and can rebuild some value too. But like not a lot of bites there. And so it's just sort of been, you know, even the deal I made before where I traded Rizzo and Nimmo, I didn't really want to trade Nimmo. It just was a deal that I felt like I liked the value. And so I, I, I it worked for me. Sure. Um, but, you know, the, the the offer, the only other offer I've gotten in that league was, let me see where it was, because I rejected a trade just this week. So, for my $41 Machado, $33 Nola, $24 Logan Webb, and a $7 Lars Nupar, right? So, two guys I definitely want to trade in Machado and Nola, a guy I am open to trading in Webb. And then Newt Bar, who I have no desire to trade. I, I'm I am always open to moving anybody, but Newt Bar is not, you know, likely to go. Sure. And the offer I got back was a nine dollar Matt Chapman, a four dollar Ben Brown, a two dollar Michael Bush, and a one dollar Tanner Bybee. And it's like I love one dollar Bybee. I'd be very happy to go out and and get him, but like Bush, Brown, and Chapman are sort of meh pieces. I think like I like them all. I think they're all interesting, but not one of those guys is a guy that I'm like, Oh yes. I'm thrilled to get this guy as a centerpiece of a trade, let alone a trade where I'm giving up, you know, I guess it's debatable whether or not I want to call Nola an ace at this point, but two aces in Nola and Webb, Machado and 
Newbar, who at seven dollars is I don't know, depending on how you feel about him versus Bybee, he's either the first or second best long term piece in this deal. So it's just challenging to figure out what I'm going to do in this league. And I'm, you know, I like maybe this is maybe it's a call to the people in this league to, you know, <laughs> send offers our way. But like even I look at the trade block and it's like seventh place team is has a eight dollar Jeffrey Springs in the block. I don't really want eight dollar Jeffrey Springs because he's so far off. The eleventh place team, team in between us in the standings is also selling, so they're not going to be a fit. Um, the first place team is dangling a $32 Sandy Alcantara, right? Which is getting back to the conversation we had earlier. And like, I'm not buying him as a, I'm not buying him from my position in the standings. It doesn't do me any good. Um, I guess if we wanted Nola, maybe I'll swap Nola for him. <laughs> Would you like to pay $1 more for a pitcher who has been not as good historically and is worse this year? Let's see. Um, Tempting. The second, the second base team I is, I think the team I already made a deal with the third place team is like hasn't updated their block in a couple weeks, but the guys they have in there are like Arenado, Altuve. Maybe there's some interesting there, but like Drew Jones is one of these guys who I think is too far away. So I just, I haven't really seen stuff showing up on the block that, that is exciting yet. And maybe it's just, maybe it's just too early. Like maybe my team's been so bad that I'm being pushed into selling before everyone else is ready to buy. At- could be the case. I, I I've only sent out a few offers. Um, I, I will give the people in this league credit. They're very quick with the responses. Uh, yeah. I, even with my, it's a pieces, great league. It, it's an awesome league, but even you were talking about how my pieces should be appealing and I just haven't quite received an offer that I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go all in on other than the Franco one. I was pretty cl- I did receive an interesting offer for Scherzer. It was a one for one. Um, and I was thinking about it. Cause like Scherzer's just starting to get hot. Do I wait until, you know, he's full on Max Scherzer and I can get even more for him? And then the player who was offered to me got hurt. So I kind of washed everything out. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it's tough finding a trade partner so far. Yeah, I put an offer out in another league to get a $31 Scherzer where I am trying to buy. I'm short on innings and I had a really hard time figuring out how to value Scherzer. Yeah. Given inconsistent performance this year, injury issues recently, age factoring into both of those things. Um, yeah, it's been a. There, I feel like there's a lot of pitchers like that that like Scherzer, Alcantara, Nola, all names we've talked about this episode, but there's others out there too who are just like, you feel like they should be worth something, but what? And it's really hard to like align on that. The same team that I made the Scherzer offer to, they have Jacob DeGrom on their block and I'm running the same thing there. It's like, I don't know how to value DeGrom in a trade because, you know, he's throwing some bullpens. Maybe he'll be back in a, a three weeks, something like that. But then is he around for a month? Is he around for the rest of the year? Like, I, is he I don't for know. One inning? Like, I, right. With that guy. Anything could happen. Who knows? Right. And so you get in these tough situations where it's like, I just don't know how to find the right trade for pitching this year because either the pitchers are doing well and they are therefore completely untradeable because you cannot move pitchers are doing well or they're not. And it's like, I don't know what I want to give up for them, which is making it very hard in 
like you know the league I'm talking about now is my my food and travel league that I've talked about before, where I am currently in fifth place. The top three in that league are the teams that get the food. So you know, getting into that top three matters. It's a big deal. It's a four by four. In the four offensive categories, I have a total of forty-two points from the four offensive categories. Nine for runs, eleven for home runs, ten for on base, twelve for slugging. Offense is doing its job. I have four and a half points for strikeouts, two for home run per nine, three for ERA, and four for whip. Now, the strikeouts one is in a weird way a positive thing. I've thrown the second fewest innings, but I'm sort of middle of the pack-ish in strikeouts. So I have a, I have a path to gaining there. But I need to find innings because the reason I'm bottom in the strike in innings is because I have no pitching. <laughs> like I literally, like as of right now, my I have I have seven starting pitchers on my roster who are healthy. Um, and of those seven, like Alex Cobb has been very good. Tyler Wells has been good. Clayton Kershaw has been very good. That's it. Then I've got Haney, Pablo Lopez, who started off great, but has been terrible. Johan Oviedo, who's been better lately, and I'm sort of optimistic. And I've got Hayden Wesneski. And then I'm waiting like, Ben Brown, I would trade. Wesneski, I would trade too if I could get the right pitcher. But like Ben Brown maybe comes around to help me. I've got Freed, Rodon, Montas, and Turnbull all on the the IL in that league. It's like maybe there's some help coming, although Turnbull was terrible. So, no. yeah, it's just. He was a but then I go look at the I go look at the trade market and it's like there's just there's just nothing. Like here are the, here are, I'm gonna just go through here are all the pitchers that are on the trade block right now other than the ones I put on there. Nick Lodolo, who's hurt. Ricky Tiedemann, who's in the minors. Uh, and hurt, I believe. And, oh, is he hurt? Yeah, yeah. Uh, DeGrom and, and Scherzer, who already talked about. Uh, we have a team that in April said they would trade from their starting pitching, but didn't list any pitchers. That's it. That's all That's all the starting pitching. Scherzer looks really good there. I'm yeah. not going to lie. <laughs> so that's like, that's like I made an offer. I reached out that team. We'll yeah. see. We'll see if it lands anywhere. But like, I mean, it's literally like that's the list. I have one, two, three. I have Montas Brown and Wesneski on the block. That's the most pitchers that any team in the league is willing to trade right now. So like, and it's the team looking have, for pitching. And it's the team looking for pitching. And yeah, that's a. Uh, it's brutal we'll out there, what, man. We'll see what happens. It is. It's it's just it, it com, com, it's compounded by all these injuries. I mean, we I, I thank you for not bringing up Chris Sale, um, which like <laughs> is just devastating. But I, honestly, I like I, I have so many teams that I went to this year thinking, okay, pitching's not going to be a problem for me. Like I drafted hitter heavy, but I made sure to still get a lot of pitching just in case you know the balls did revert back or, or whatever it might be, and they've just all got hurt. I, that 16 team league that my brother was asking about Jeffrey Springs and Chris sale and Carlos Rodon. Like if, if that's your situation, a 16 team league, good luck. Right. So it, it's just, it's an impossible situation this year. It is. It is. Well, with that, we've crossed over an hour and we're now just sort of like rambling about our teams, which I think ceases <laughs> to be interesting at some point. I'm sure there's a lot of empathetic listeners out there that are like preach. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope they enjoyed it. If not, we'll, you know, do something different next week. So thanks for listening. We'll be back with you next week.